Welcome to Real Talk. I am Tina. And I am Anne. I am still feeling crummy. And I'll tell you what, it has been a miserable allergy season. We've got tree pollen, grass pollen, and mold, a trifecta. And it's led to some awful sinus issues for me. So this is how I will probably sound for the, I don't know, foreseeable future. And I am frustrated by it. But you got to push through, right? You got to persevere as moms. This is what we have to do. There's no rest for the mom. And uh, oh, I am just, just miserable. Plus, there are some wildfires in Canada that's causing hazy stuff where we live. And it is uh, definitely taking a toll. So all I know is I am trying to push through. And I am probably by doing so, I'm gaining even more mental capacity, mental toughness, mental strength, whatever you want to call it, because I am training for a big trip on a trail in Hawaii. I've been training since the beginning of this year. I've been eyeing, it's the Kalalau Trail, been eyeing it since 2009 when I first laid eyes on it. And I've been doing some intense strength and cardio and rowing and running and uh, really trying to push through all of this and be prepared because I certainly want to come back home to my family, but it is one of the top 10 most dangerous trails to do. But I'm looking for an internal strengthening and I know I'm going to find it there. I just want to ask you a question, Tina. Do you, what do you think you're going to find at the end of that trail? I think I'm going to find a piece of myself that I didn't know was there. I need this time for me I need this time. I've been looking forward to it as, as a hope, you know, just a symbol of hope for everything that my mom is going through, how it's impacted me. And I am really looking to overcome some fears that I know I have. And first is of heights. Uh, there's a part of the trail I don't even know if I can do because it's mountainside on my left. The trail is about 18 inches wide. And then to my right is my depth below, uh, about, I don't know, 500 feet, a thousand feet. I don't know exactly feet down into the ocean, but it is one of the most beautiful, beautiful trails of the world, but also one of the most dangerous because weather will make or break the trail. Well, you know, my friend, I would still like you to be my friend at the end of this trail. I would like you to come home as well. So, Please be safe. I'm going to be so worried about you when you're gone. You don't have to worry. You know why? I am going to be ready. And if if it's not safe to do parts of it, then I won't do parts of it. You know, I I will, I promise to be wise because my kids are worried too. And my husband as well. And I want to come back home to them. I really do. But my hope is that the weather cooperates and uh, it'll just be an experience of a lifetime. Everyone who's gone says it's just, it's changed their life. It's it's so beautiful in so many ways. I can't wait to hear, and I'm sure the listeners can't wait to hear your stories when you return. And I'm sure that your transformation will go through the weeks and months after. That's absolutely what I hope. I bought a special journal for this trip. So I'm going to be taking it in and I don't know how long I'll be able to take it in or how long I'll need to process, but I am looking forward to it so much with equal parts anticipation and nervousness, but uh, I will be ready. I absolutely will be ready. 
So you know, I will June, leave in July and I will keep you updated once I get back, but I'll have no access to anyone or anything while I'm on that trail. So it's, it's, it's a total backpack pack in, come out with what you got 22 miles and uh, 5,000 feet of elevation and a lot of beauty in between. So I'm excited about it. And Real Talk will probably continue during those weeks, at least one of the weeks. And uh, and it will still be great. We uh, will have maybe a speaker or something. I've got a couple things possibly lined up for us. So uh, when she returns, it will be still up and running for when she returns so we can discuss this right. with Tina when she gets back. I just can't wait to hear all your, and you know what might happen too? Your allergies might get better over there. I'm um, yeah, I am hoping. <laughs> right? I mean, we just were at the doctor for my son and uh, same thing. Sounds just like you. And oh, they said part okay. of the reason is not just, it's the allergies because we just did not have a freeze this year, they said that the ticks are worse than ever. The pollen is worse than ever. Just allergies are up. There's more things going around respiratory wise where there's more admissions into the hospital and it's not COVID, but they're just having an uprise of all of this right now. Well, I know it's been miserable and I'm, I'm ready for some rain and hopefully we can all get over this, this respiratory crud and allergy suit. Well, last week we left you with a question or two. The question that I asked at the end of our last episode was if Tina thought, has ever thought about if trauma has or can affect us in utero. My son has the George syndrome and some other effects from fetal alcohol syndrome. And I too have had some effects from in utero trauma. And I was just wondering what Tina had thought about in utero trauma or our, how our body can remember it, or if we were too young to remember that trauma after we were born, what she thought about that. So I never used to really know anything on the topic until really until a few years ago. So then, you know, since then I've read many articles, I've talked to uh, holistic practitioner friends, and I believe this to be true. It's really a fascinating area, actually. There is generational trauma, transgenerational trauma, epigenetics, growing research that suggests trauma from childhood abuse or family violence, or if someone had food insecurity, many, many, many things that can be passed from one generation to the next. And I've read that trauma can leave a chemical mark on a person's genes, which can then be passed down to future generations. Now, the mark does not cause a genetic mutation, but it does alter how the gene works. But in a way, which this is all of epigenetics, I think is good then because if trauma can alter genetics in utero, say for example, then we certainly should be able to change our genes now, meaning that our genes are not our final destination. And that's really what the whole basis of epigenetics is, that we can alter our genes. It is a fascinating area. And it's something I have to hold on to and hang on to hope for because with my mom having early onset Alzheimer's. She is only 62 years old, was diagnosed at 59. It has really crushed us. And at the same time, her doctors are saying they don't think there's a genetic component. And then you do have the epigenetics component that 
kind of makes you think maybe we have some control over these genes than we thought. Well, you know, I hadn't really thought about this in different times when I've heard people like uh, Michael J. Fox or some other people that have talked about some gene therapy. And I, I could be wrong about it being Michael J. Fox, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, some of these diseases that people have had where they've tried to do a lot of research on the genetic piece of it and trying to alter it. So, I mean, that it really is fascinating, Tina. I mean, you know, we're not God, but I also love that we've been given the tools to be able to alter things when we need to. I right. think that that's, that's amazing. That's the whole basis of really why I'm doing this trip. I'm not going to get younger. I know that entering my 40s, there I aged myself, uh, entering my 40s, it is a decade that is absolutely critical. So I want to be in the best shape of my life with what I put in my body in terms of food, how I exercise. I want to give myself my very best shot, my mind, my body, um, and my my soul, really, <laughs> the whole best shot that I can. So I am doing absolutely everything I can physically and eating. And yes, I still eat ice cream and chocolate, but just a whole lot less than maybe what I used to, but really taking care of myself and mm -hmm. really making sure that I'm doing the things that I need to be doing now so that later I can reap the benefits. Yeah. I also believe in altering a disease or changing it or being able to at least kind of hold it off for longer periods of time with what we eat, the things that we put into our body is everything. And I've also changed a lot of what I'm eating. I mean, at times I try to eat what my young kids eat and I have to remind myself very quickly, I am not 10 anymore. <laughs> I have to stop this. So then I go back to eating my greens and everything else that I do. But anyway, um, I unfortunately spent a great deal of my life in a traumatic environment and had a lot of trauma before I could even speak. And that also happened to my son. And I think that that also uh, added to his inability to be able to speak until he was probably like seven, where he could actually put sentences together and things like that. But I was hospitalized as an infant from something that happened to me and had to have surgeries. And it, it, I was unable to have kids because of it, which is, fine because I have ended up with the biggest gifts that I could have ever been given, but it affected me seriously for the majority of my childhood and young adult life. And I had body memories and actual physical memories because, or an actual physical pain because of what happened to me led to difficulties with internal organs as I grew up. And I had to go to the hospital a few times for it. I had memories that made me incapacitated physically and emotionally. Oh my gosh, I just, oh, I can't imagine. It's just a lot, a lot to take in. But knowing how far you've come, it's like you just would never know all of these other things that have happened in your life. You know, health.com has said that trauma itself can also cause pain. Headaches from a brain injury or back pain from a spinal injury are examples even removing physical causes from the equation, there does seem to be a higher level of chronic pain in people with PTSD than without. 
So this suggests that there may be some common neurobiological pathways. The the article further states, unfortunately, chronic pain is some in some cases, reminds a person of the traumatic event, which can increase further PTSD symptoms. The next symptom is feeling panicked. We all know that there are physical symptoms with panic. I mean, gosh, Tina, I cannot believe how much our bodies are affected by trauma. Yeah, even even if you take it a step down and you say, go, I haven't been impacted by trauma, you can even replace that word with stress. And it's the same thing, truly, in many instances. I do believe it because I am very in tune to my body and I have felt so much of this heart racing, sweat, blood pressure goes up, you know, muscles are tense. Some people get dizzy, their vision is blurred. I actually suffer from a lot of that vision issue. Um, When my anxiety is super high, they can have ear ringing, and some people even feel nauseous to the point of actually vomiting, like a physical response to a trigger. And that is all according to health.com. I have experienced so much of that, but it comes on with my anxiety. So you have experienced, have you experienced panic attacks? I don't know if I have experienced a true panic attack. My mom used to have them where she'd have to breathe into a bag but yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. My, my anxiety triggers a lot of those things that we read. So most of the time I'm not in a full blown panic. No, but have there been a few occasions that have really knocked me off my feet, if you will, and put me in a panic? Yeah. Well, the Mayo Clinic defines panic attacks as a panic attack is a sudden episode of intense fear that triggers severe physical reactions when there is no real danger or apparent cause. Panic attacks can be very frightening. When panic attacks occur, you might think that you're losing control, having a heart attack or even dying. You know, many people have just one or two panic attacks in their lifetime and the problem can go away. But Sometimes it gets to the point where it's so recurrent and unexpected panic attacks come just all the time over long periods of time in constant fear of another attack. You may have a condition called panic disorder. Although panic attacks themselves aren't life-threatening, they may be frightening and significantly affect your quality of life, but treatment can be very effective. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) I've had one or two then, and probably recent, more recently than in the past, but goodness, so many symptoms of a panic attack. So let's go over them. Again, they, they start suddenly without warning. They can strike at any time. You could be driving a car. You could be at a store. Maybe you're even sound asleep in the middle of the night, or gosh, maybe you're in a business meeting. You may have an occasional panic attack, or they could occur frequently. Now, usually happens within minutes and you might even feel fatigued or worn out after one of the panic attacks subside. So here are a few symptoms that you might be feeling. Sense of doom or danger looming, a fear or loss of control or death, rapid pounding heart rate, sweating, trembling or shaking, shortness of breath or tightness in your throat, Chills, hot flashes, nausea, cramping, chest pain, headache, 
dizziness, lightheadedness, faintness, numbness or tingling sensation, feeling of unreality or detachments. One of the worst things about panic attacks is the intense fear that you'll have another one. So when you have one like, oh my gosh, is this going to happen again? You may fear having them so much that you even avoid certain situations. You know, going over all of this makes me realize I probably have had more than I realized. And, you know, talk about the exhaustion. That's one of the things that hits me is that whenever I've had one, I come out of it completely exhausted. Like I've just run a marathon. You know, I haven't had one in decades, though. I mean, it's it's been a while. And I did have one driving. And it came out of nowhere. And I still don't know why it occurred. Fortunately, knock on wood, I don't get them at all now. But my life is different, too. I mean, I have a completely different life than I used to. I don't live in fear like I used to. I'm so glad that gives me so much hope. And I hope for someone listening, it gives them hope too. If you're suffering from this, that you know that help is available. As long as you're willing to do the work, you can be healed too. And, you know, after I'm talking about the panic attack triggers and symptoms and all of those things, I feel like, yeah, I probably had more than I thought I did before I realized all of the signs and symptoms. So I'm working on overcoming some fears, looking forward to, you know, my upcoming adventure in Hawaii, looking for an internal strengthening. I'm really hoping that this adventure and the season of my life will really help me in, in some areas that we're talking about now. You know, you mentioned, Anne, that you didn't even know why your panic attack happened. And the Mayo Clinic says some people don't. Uh, Some reasons why, though, they can happen are because of stress, genetics, changes in the way parts of your brain function, among some other reasons. Some research suggests that your body's natural fight-or-flight response to danger is involved in panic attacks. Your heart and heart rate and breathing would speed up as your body prepares for a life-threatening situation. Many of the same reactions occur in a panic attack, but it's unknown why a panic attack occurs when there's no obvious danger present. And I just want to say that I honestly think that there's just a link to an earlier trauma when it happens. That's my perception, at least when I've had my panic attacks, is it could be as small as a smell or as, you know, just something inside of me triggers some kind of a memory, which takes me all the way into a panic. Anxiety can lead to this, which can lead to this, and then it can go into a full-blown panic attack. I mean, that's how at least it has happened with me, except for the point when I, the time when I was driving, there was absolutely no reason for it. And you know, I'm wondering if maybe there was something that happened that I wasn't even aware of. So there could be that. Yeah. You know, the article speaks about nocturnal panic attacks. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night in a complete panic? Only on rare occasion, but I know it's because of a dream that I've had. So I haven't done that with, I guess, having no reason, if you will. Does it happen to your mom? Because I know with your mom and what she's gone through, 
you know, yeah. I was just wondering. This is something that definitely, sadly, does happen to my mom. And quite often, I would say probably weekly. Oh, you know, I can't imagine. I used to have them. And it was to the point where I would just gasp for air, sit up in bed like somebody had just been holding me down and I was fighting somebody. Yep. And that is exactly it, how it is. Yep. It's an awful feeling. And fortunately, with everything else, you know, that has too subsided over the years. Um, and I, I can't, I feel so bad for your mom that she's going through that because with also her having dementia on top of that, it's got to be yeah. terrifying. It is. It's, it's really, really sad. I am so thankful though, and that you don't suffer from them truly. I, I hope it gives others hope who are listening and, uh, goodness, it's, it's given me hope and, you know, I'm not going to lose hope for my mom either. I will keep praying and asking and hoping that she can just sleep well at night if, if nothing else. Well, I think that concludes our time this week, but we are going to end with a quote. And this week, the quote is, we delight in the beauty of the butterfly, but rarely do we admit the changes it has gone through to achieve that beauty. That is the beloved Maya Angelou. And I also like to add that we have to help ourselves more than someone else is helping us. If we want to be different, if we want to be changed, if we want to be helped, it has to start with us doing most of the work. Amen. Uh, I just want to briefly say quickly, when I was working in the jails with the women, that was one of the things that we would talk about and kind of almost laugh about because there was this analogy that we would always use. And maybe some of the listeners have heard it, uh, but this reminds me of it where they kept praying, God help me. They're drowning in the water. The boat is sinking. Lord, please help me. God help me. A life vest is thrown. God help me. I'm not going to take this life vest, but you know, you can still help me. Another one is thrown. No, I'm not going to do that either. I'm not going to grab that. And it just goes on and on until eventually it's just like, you know, you die and then you're up in heaven and say, God, why didn't you help me? Well, you know, <laughs> I threw it to you. I threw you so many, but you wouldn't grab the life vest. You wouldn't do the work and do what you needed to in order for you to get saved. So it's kind of like that same thing. And I totally relate because I can't tell you how many times I've just told myself I can't do this. And it has started with one breath, one step, one movement. And I just told myself, just keep going until I could do it like it was, you know, second nature. So, yeah, um, yeah. And, and yeah. So it, it's difficult. We're not saying that this is easy. It is difficult, but you can do it. If we can do it, you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just a few weeks ago, we, we did a butterfly release. And so I actually got to delight in the beauty of the butterfly and also watch the hard, messy, I interpret it as, the caterpillar probably thought it was dying phase and look what it turned into. So when you get that hard, messy middle, it is going to hurt, but wait until you come out on the other side. We have, we know somebody and I actually have known two people who they had to bring almost to death because they had cancer 
and they had to bring them almost to death in their treatments in order for them to com completely be renewed with a different body, different, um, I don't, I, I'm not really sure, but it was blood transfusions and everything else that they had to come to go through in order to be renewed. And they're doing amazingly well. So, I mean, that's just another example of sometimes we have to take ourselves to that point um, where we can start living again. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this week with Real Talk with Tina and Ann. We look forward to next week and hopefully I won't be so nasally. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next Take week. Care.